Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everybody, welcome to the Walkouts Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Taylor, but joined by you and Pat. Fancy seeing me here. I know, and Jules Gill. <laughs> it's like a shotgun whenever you start these episodes. Well, the thing is, which the, the people won't know because this won't be in the edit, is that Jules Gill mouth pops himself to death at the start of every recording, <laughs> so I have, to, I have to pick and choose when I'm going to come leaping in. I am a burpee bandit. Here's yes. a little bit. But also, um, hello. Yes, hello. This is our 100th episode, so all Ooh. sorts of woo, woo, and things. Um woo. Basically, we thought we'd do a, a thing on games you can play for 100 hours or more, um, which I kind of think it starts to break down in a bunch of different ways, whether it's sort of like narratively, it's something that's going to unfurl across a long time, something like mm. The Witcher 3, mm. um, something that's like mechanically heavy, something that's arcadey, something maybe that you dip in every day. Um, and it's kind of relevant to the way the industry is at the minute. There's a lot of games as a service, things yeah. that want to control your time every single day, daily goals, weekly goals, whatever. Um, so we just kind of came together and threw a whole bunch of games in that are, for the most part, I think all of these are very beloved. They're all very good. Yeah. Um, things that we were going to want to play for 100 hours. It is strange, isn't it, that now we're now in a situation where your time, it, you can only really dedicate yourself to one game. <laughs> yeah, like, they, 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 want, they you want you to be playing that yeah. one game forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was up to them. It nearly hooked me in the other day with Red Dead Online and gives you daily mm. challenges. And if you do enough of them, oh, yeah. you get a challenge streak. And I was like, oh, and it gives you rewards for doing that. And then I thought, oh, that'll be permanent. And then I didn't do the game one day and I lost my challenge streak and I was like (laughs) I feel unfulfilled and unwanted but it it comes into the gameplay loop doesn't it like that's how they do it because obviously when you're designing a game your incentive is to Mm -hmm. hook the players in from start to finish and that's either through like difficulty spikes through boss battles Mm -hmm. through memorable set pieces whatever you got to do to get them sticking with it but it's interesting now that certain developers are seeing that they don't need to do it in the sense of get you in with a ne- with a complex story. Mm-hmm. They just go, mm-hmm. well, here's some daily challenges that are easy mm-hmm. and addictive. Even Crash Team Racing has them now. And one of them is mm. just visit the store every day to see what deal yeah. they've got. Um, but I mean, yeah, in terms because of like... It's a reward though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I like the idea of I like the idea of having like a daily game. Like I check into Rocket League and Mortal Kombat 11 mm. like pretty much every day. But um, it is, it is kind of weird because if you do dedicate yourself to those games that much, you will just not play anything else. If you mm-hmm. play them as much as they want you to, you'd never play yeah. anything else. Um, um, and things like challenge streaks is an interesting thing. <laughs> I'm just gonna we're gonna get to siege eventually. I didn't. We will. Play we will. Any yeah. other game when I was obsessed. And we're gonna with we're that. gonna end on siege because yeah. Ewan's play count for siege is a hefty I've number. I should have gotten the exact figure down yeah, because I remember looking at it and going. Dear God. <laughs> it's when you sit down and you look at the numbers that you put into certain games and you just think like, oh man, I could have done this. language. Like somebody, <laughs> well, said, yeah. somebody was like, um, put down, I can't remember if it was their Steam library or something like that. They mm. said that all the hours that they put in, and it was a shared account between him and his brother. Mm. And he said like, we could have gone to university. Like, in, the t- <laughs> in the time that we could have done that, we could have done something it's different. It's true. Do you tend to find, because I kind of have this sometimes, where you get a feeling that you have clocked 100 hours in something. I feel like I felt that when I hit it on Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Um, and I remember checking 
in my hour count on my Switch and it was mm. 120. And I was like, it feels like I've been in this world for that long. Mm. I don't know, there's like there's was, a certain kind of feel It was to weird it. because whenever I played loads and loads of games, uh, kind of was when Xbox Live was first mm. like coming on this, well, not first, but when we had the Call of Duty 4s and the Call of Duty 5s mm-hmm. and the Halo 3s and you'd have the leaderboards, it would have your stat, it would measure it by days. Right. So I remember looking at it and going, when you're well, obviously when you're a, a, an ass when you're a teenager and you're looking at things <laughs> like oh I can't uh, he's, he's played that game for five days what a sad little weirdo and I was like I can't play the game too much because then people will make fun of me so yeah. I have to keep it at a certain level and then it, obviously now that I'm an adult I'm just there like Dorito chips on chest just like well, 55 days game time yeah that just speaks <laughs> to like such a changing of the time because yeah. like yeah that was the thing you don't want to be so dedicated to a game oh you nerd you geek or whatever but now like the most mainstream titles your divisions your ghost recons your overwatches or whatever like encourage massive yeah. uh, mm-hmm. play times um, and they seem to they gear towards them now they want to hook you for as long as possible do, do you know what's really interesting though is um, thinking of the end game mm-hmm. uh, it, it doesn't hit you that often you'll be playing a game for like 100 hours mm-hmm. or whatever and you'll be like oh, okay I've got through the hard part the grind where it started to not really make sense of why I'm playing this game and it keeps going and going <laughs> and then eventually you'll get to the end game and you'll be like okay so I'm maximum leveled I can't really go anymore but yet I'm still playing this what is the point? Yeah, and it's when that's when you get start to get negative like diminishing returns on your enjoyment levels because you're like yeah. I'm just investing time, but I'm doing the same. I think I'm literally some, treading water. Some games do it extremely well. It's weird the mm. amount of people that are completely dedicated to Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which didn't happen with Assassin's Creed Origins, but the mm. sheer size of Odyssey and the fact they keep supplanting it with DLC and like that game has daily um, like weapon resets and things yeah. like different quests that you can take on. Um, which like something about that game's combat seems to really resonate with people. Like I have a whole bunch of friends that have put like pretty much close to a thousand hours into exploring every single Mad. nook and cranny to it, which is just kind of ridiculous. Well, um, you, you, yeah. can, you can look at the, um, uh, I can't remember which, which area of the world it is, but they have like um, houses dedicated to people who only like de- uh, play StarCraft 2, is okay. that it? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, uh, Vice did like a sort of mini documentaries mm-hmm. thing on it. And it was, um, that it was like a house where people literally just left school and play solely this one game <laughs> 24 hours a day pretty much or when they wake up they don't mm. go to work they literally go to play this game and they do it so that they can enter the these tournaments stuff. in sports to win mm. that money and I'm mm. like ooh are you enjoying that game and that, that's point? the thing like um, we'll, we'll totally get to some specific examples of games but like yeah in terms of like you know forcing yourself to keep playing a thing mm-hmm. um, I remember reading a report I think it was also Vice where um, this one father was forcing his kid to play Fortnite because he wanted him to try and win this tournament but it literally meant that the kid was throwing up as he was playing stuff because he wouldn't let him leave to do anything else that's just like, child just, abuse yeah, yeah, that's, that's, really bad. Yeah. That's, that's bad but it's like that idea that like just being completely dedicated to a game like where it completely overtakes your life like we're in a like, we're talking about 100 hour games which yeah, is no. crazy really when you think about it um, but I I do wonder time, if one time I could have gone pro. Yeah. <laughs> we will get to your suit. I decided university time. was better. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> to more articulate your playtime better. Um, so yeah, let's might as, well, might as well fire through some examples. So the first one that we thought of was Skyrim, mm, um, which yeah. you can kind of apply to any Elder yeah. Scrolls. But um, Skyrim is one of the games that I immediately I got it back when my dissertation was on and just lost myself in it. That is the worst time. Yeah. I got it when my GCSEs were around and already that was a bit of a risky escapade. Yeah. I was there before that. I was again back to when you're an ass and you're you're 15 and you say going, "Oh, you." Playing that game, it's got dragons. You know, why aren't you playing a real game like Call of Duty? Was a fun time. And then, uh, it got, and then, I, basically, I found out about it, and I got it for Christmas. And I was like, I live in this game now. Mm-hmm. I live yeah. in it. I just that's how I am now. I live here. I am Agnol and the Argonian. That game just supplied me with endless stuff because the lore was so rich and the mm, world yeah. was so immersive, yeah. and you, it encouraged multiple playthroughs where you could role play different things, and it was just 
it was an experience that I'd never had in a game before. Mm-hmm. It was like, you can literally live in this thing and try different things. And the main source of satisfaction you get is from living this own personal narrative that you build with your adventures, mm-hmm. which is what I take, What's that's what I mainly look yeah. for in games mm-hmm. these days now. But the thing with Skyrim, because I've, I've restarted that so many times. Mm-hmm. Like I've finished it as well, but I have gone back over and started <laughs> over again. Made in a specific save point so you don't have to listen to Ulfric Stormcloak yeah, going, yeah, 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 yeah. we're doomed. <laughs> the first I'm from Norikstead. Yeah. But uh, yeah, doing all those like opening bits I nearly always would pick like a character or a race and then play to that like mm-hmm. with an Argonian I was like I want to see what it's like to be an Argonian in the main yeah. cities and stuff but mm-hmm. when I finally started because I got it again on Switch I have it on everything and when I finally started it again on Switch I, on Switch, I tried to play it like what I would do if mm-hmm. I was in Skyrim so I started like doing trying to I don't know be like more sort of friendly to everybody and try to talk to as many people as possible trying to do my daily shopping and like mm-hmm. or weekly shopping and get stuff in um, I don't know how you guys smithing sort of, daggers leather straps oh, yeah and being yeah. like oh I think I could take this quest on I think I could yeah. actually beat this thing but, but nothing it, too big but if you want to talk about like biggest wastes of time in a in an Elder Scrolls game mm. it's got to be if you were unlucky enough to have Morrowind on the original Xbox because right. my god the loading times between <laughs> those bits that's were, 100 hours they in the loading done. screens I literally remember sitting there just going like I'm gonna count now <laughs> and I, thought, I, was like, I was like got to 25 seconds and it was still loading and I'm like hmm. I've gone in and out of this like uh, I think it was like the fighters guild area I was like I've gone in and out of this room like hundreds of times you, oh my god you, like, know, <laughs> you know what I did to counteract that in Skyrim I made a matter uh, of not fast traveling uh, mm. And using the signage to actually uh, okay. travel, I love because I, I I thought the coaches were fine. I could travel by coach if there was mm-hmm. a coach field, but I never wanted to fast travel because like, well, I, I want to see the world. And you yeah. encounter mm-hmm. so many, and it encourages you to do that because not only can you use the real world geography to figure out where you're going, mm-hmm. you can encounter missions that you would never have done had you actually tried to do that. Reading about that, I know Bethesda have like sort of perfected this over mm. time, but that whole radiant quest system thing, where like if you just pick a point and walk to it, yeah. things will happen to you as you go. Very People clever. Come talk to you like and, I you know, literally yeah. hop back into it the other the other month on Remastered mm-hmm. and I encountered a vampire uh, little conspiracy uh, quest where mm. they were taking people from Riften and farming them like luring them in with scuba oh, really? and like uh, because in this p- playthrough I was like oh I'm a, I'm a grizzled old vampire hunter who's addicted to scuba I was like, like this guy's offered me some scuba I'm gonna take it <laughs> and then I came there and then they were literally farming humans and I br- busted the dentist like, I would never have found that That's if brilliant. I just didn't yeah. do those things uh-huh. and that is why Skyrim to me is one of the most satisfying gameplay experiences and also the thing that I've potentially played the most, nearly. Potentially. Mm. I'll tell you what, if you're really keen on uh, the Skyrim series, there's a mm. guy, and I can't remember what his name is. I know that his real name is Nate, mm. and okay. he does a load of series, which is on like 10 things that you would uh, never find in Skyrim, and he's been doing that series for like two years. And it's been, uh, so Skyrim's been out for what? Um, 2011. 2011, it's been out since yeah. 2011, yeah, yeah. and he's still uploading uh, videos <laughs> with stuff that people have just discovered yeah. now. Yeah. Like, he's like, here's a really rare ox head that you can only get in one location. Mm. Like, why is this program? I remember, like, like uh, speaking to like role play and stuff, I remember when Skyrim first came out, and obviously, like, everyone got used to it, all the arrow and the knee jokes and yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I remember there was a whole video, I think it's still online, about the Skyrim serial killer, where someone was literally living a life of a serial killer in Skyrim. And they had this, it was horrifying. They had this whole house done out with like headless corpses oh at the dinner table. Wow. Like boot shells with heads on and everything. And I was like, man, like the Ed Gein or Ed Gein. Ed Gein, yeah. yeah, yeah. Who's Ed Gein? Oh, uh, he was the guy who, he was in the 50s. He, he, uh, the inspiration behind Leatherface yeah, and yeah. all oh, the cool, sorts okay. of like made, yeah. made uh, furniture out of human bones oh very, gosh yeah. there wasn't any of that in Skyrim very charming maybe with the, the Hearthfire update <laughs> but um, I guess yeah to round that out um, do you guys tend to find do you tend to play towards a specific role or do you tend to do what would I do if I was a fantasy character kind of thing you know it's really hard to say because uh, in so many of these games I will literally just go with what the tone of the game is at mm. the moment like mm. I could sit down and plan my Fallout character for example mm-hmm. to be this certain way but it's, if I'm not feeling it yeah. then I'll just be like oh, I'm just going to play it like I, I usually see um any chance to uh 
push the boundaries, I'll I'll do that in video right. games because it's a case of a classic case of you can never mm-hmm. do it in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, I I definitely do the thing where I. You're it, it, it was the kind yeah. it was the kind of thing where like I always I always try and tell my player experience to make sure that it's really super immersive as possible. Mm-hmm. Nice. So that was like when we had the, the chatty faces the other week or something like obeying the law the rules of the law mm-hmm. and always like I walking the and, and yeah that sort of thing. And so when Skyrim came around, that is literally the ultimate. You can be who you want to be, yeah. and mm-hmm. I can literally be as specific and niche as I want to mm-hmm. in each yeah. certain playstyle. So if I wanted to be a big boisterous uh, Nord who wields two-handed weapons and is a companion and he's like, kind of like that I can do that if yeah. I wanted to be a little sneaky little Argonian thief who thieves around and stuff or I could have a thing where I, I had to find out logical reasons for why my character would do a certain right. thing that's which good. I kind of really really enjoyed I think that's like a nice little everyone kind of goes to that anyway when you play something mm-hmm. as immersive you start to make up your own backstory yeah. and your motivations and everything which is kind of a nice little carryover from tabletop RPGs mm-hmm. where they spell out like exactly What's why you're doing say? something yeah. um, which like hasn't doesn't get that much play in, in games like this where you, you know you fill out a whole bio chart or whatever mm-hmm. but it's good to have um, I think for the sake of flipping um, to a different example something that's more like mechanically addictive and um, we can just talk about first person shooters although we will get to Siege in a bit let's open with um, <laughs> Um, Halo, though, I think for me, um, Halo was the first major console uh, shooter that I just played religiously. Like, so all was, it, day, was it Halo 2 online? Halo 2 for yeah. me, because it was, yeah, it was the first one on Xbox that went online. I know Halo 1 did on PC, um, but Halo 2 had uh, Blood Gulch and just all the specific levels that just amazing. I was actually looking um, uh, back at Halo 2 as to how it sort of like <laughs> kept me invested because me and my friend Liam used to play it like religiously. Yeah, and I was like, why, why is that? And I realized it was actually because of the fact that they did the armor pieces. They made it so that you could customize mm-hmm. your character with the. I think it might have been three as well. The, recon, the hunt for recon yeah, armor. Yeah, like, right. Oh my god, the holy grail <laughs> yeah. of looking cool. And like eventually, <laughs> if you saw somebody, they'd be like, "How did you get that?" Like mm. literally, how did you get this mm. sort of like flaming skull head that you've got now, yeah, or whatever yeah. it was? That and it's like. I love the fact that customization is definitely a key is why you will stick with a game for mm, far longer yeah. than it would. Three was such a monumental event. Like we've mm. talked about it a bunch of times before. But yeah, the armor stuff was just so good. Three cool. is my happiest gaming memory. I think <laughs> having discovering Halo Three because mm. I uh, I before that point in time I'd played Call of Duty and I'd played some Ghost Recon. I'd met friends yeah. through that who and then who then introduced mm. me to Halo. So I got it just as ODST came out. So I played nice. ODST, really enjoyed it, and loved the firefight. I loved the idea mm. of like the horde mode mm. stuff. I really had fun playing that and getting to the end with them. Mm-hmm. And then I actually got into Halo 3. And what loved me, what, what I loved about that was that it was a level playing field. Right, I yeah. never felt at one point in time that my opponent had an advantage over me. Mm-hmm. It was all these are the tools that you have at your disposal. Um, it's down to map knowledge, how good you are reflex wise, mm-hmm. how accurate you are. Mm-hmm. Those are your tools that you have to use. And anyone can go into that game and succeed. And the genius of Halo to me not only was the you know the community aspects of finding armor and being yeah. able to like forge your own maps and custom yeah. games and zombies which are all through, yeah. amazing but also the idea that I could go into this arena and everyone is on an equal playing mm-hmm. field and if I'm certainly skilled with a certain thing I can take on people who aren't as good oh, and yeah. actually come yeah. out and survive and overcome the odds and I've never had as satisfying a multiplayer experience until mm-hmm. the siege came out. It's, it's interesting isn't it that yeah. um, FBS like they they drill down to a core essence of just like a like a combative thing mm-hmm. but it's it's very interesting how differently they approach that concept of I just need to kill you, you mm-hmm. need to kill me sort mm-hmm. of thing. Like Call of Duty, for example, goes on that very twitch reactive thing. Time the to kill. incredibly um, quick respawn times mm-hmm. allow you to make mistakes but jump back into mm-hmm. it. Therefore, mm-hmm. it's like a constant level of adrenaline. Then you've got like Battlefield where you take a long time in some cases. If you run in... You run gonna... for 10 minutes and get shot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then there's that sort of satisfaction because you know that the struggle of mm-hmm. getting to the firefight, if you kill someone, you're like, ha, I've now imposed that on you. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's true. I, in terms of Battlefield, I do like that 
that's the scope and the scale. Like that's mm. I don't play Battlefield anywhere near as much as COD, and I'm mm. certainly not anywhere near as much as Halo. Um, but there's something about the scale of a battle of a battlefield, like a map or whatever. Like it does feel like a giant bad war company. Kind of thing. When 1943 came out for the Xbox Arcade, mm. and then they released ba- Bad Company Two straight what's after. Game? Well, bad Company game. Two, um, the squad-based gameplay in that I'm yet to find a kind of a squad-based multiplayer game. Not mm. obviously Siege is much more close down, and you know it, it's it's almost like Battlefield, but the re- the reverse in yeah. a way. Not in the sense mm. that it, it's not it's it's so totally different in the sense that it's just Battlefield but condensed into a little tiny little pocket space. It's the same <laughs> ethos. It's the same guiding principle of you have your team. Team cooperative gameplay mm. rewards uh, success, mm. and you you can literally come up with little strategies in that game. Being like, okay, if you like get a sniper and you cover us from up there, I'll go in. We'll uh, take that like heavy machine gun in that yeah. window. Yeah. I'll cover you from the back with a shotgun or whatever, and we'll impose damage. And I love the way that you can you're part of this grand kind of or opera, mm-hmm. but you're influencing the battlefield in your own little way, yeah. which mm-hmm. I really, really like. I think I was going to say, in terms of, like, with, with Siege as well, the mm-hmm. amount of operators they've put into it, like, that idea of, like, balance being carried through, they've somehow stayed on top of it, the vast majority but For of the, the most part, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes there there have been things where the meta is mm-hmm. always the meta. Yeah. It's <laughs> all about, always about the meta. Because, <laughs> like, what you were mentioning with um, Halo, I had the yeah. same exact feel, because, like, speaking about balance and characters being OP and stuff, mm-hmm. obviously those things have always been around. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like they were, like, at the forefront of the conversation no. back in the day. Maybe those games were just easier to balance, well, but... Call yeah. of Duty, you look at that and you look at, well, okay, the M16 was overpowered, the MP40 was, there are always, mm. ge- there are always weapons mm. in that game, in that in that franchise that give people an unfair advantage. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think with the likes of Halo, your Battlefields, Overwatch mm-hmm. and, um, and, and Siege to a mm-hmm. degree, mm-hmm. Um, it's all about the tools that you have and how good you are with those tools. Maybe it's the fact that uh, they are able, the developers are now able to go in and tweak the back end to make mm. these fixes all the time. Maybe mm. that's the reason why they've managed to persist for so long mm. if say we were all playing this on the playstation 1 or playstation 2 or, or around that era before like hot patches could come in mm-hmm. we might have just played it for a few things been like it's a bit broken i'm probably gonna leave it yeah. maybe so I, for the fact that they can constantly tweak it based on the consumer mm-hmm. sort of like reaction to it is actually like a I think huge it's, it's, difference it's strange when you think back on it because yeah like they didn't have access to as many hot fixes or like there was mm-hmm. way more um uh, procedures they had to do to get a fix to the public and yeah. mm-hmm. um, that then had the re- the knock-on effect of making sure that developers put the time in or the publishers allowed them the time to make something more polished in the first place Potentially, a lot yeah. of those goals yeah. sort of changed over mm-hmm. time and um, one thing i wanted to mention with halo though um, especially for halo 3 i remember when and they brought in the uh, equipment that you could put down, the bubble shields and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, and it was a great video. It kind of speaks to the difference of the way that um, the attitude of the developers, uh, 343 versus the way Bungie used to approach Halo. Mm-hmm. There's a great video with Bungie where they show, like, uh, like they literally show them playing the game and their warthog's about to, like, run this guy over and he's the guy's talking over it. Just and he's the like, MP. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah. what if I put down an explosive? And he's mm-hmm. like, and he's like, well, I got taken out, but at least I got the guy that was yeah. chasing me, that was coming to, at me as well. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it is all those things where they did think of everything, or at least yeah. they tried to put in, and you know. Like, you mentioned the delineation between 343 and Bungie, so mm. I don't want to like, you know, crap on three four three oh, too I much. Like but, but Halo Four, you could already see the the equal playing field was kind of a little bit not there anymore when they introduced loadouts, and you could choose mm. the exact gun that you were starting with, yes. and that caused issues as well. Whereas before in Halo, you start everyone starts with the same weapon, you can pick up weapons around the map. This mm-hmm. is how it works, which is like a staple of like arena shooting yeah. too. Like yeah, you want to start and with the, the physics as well. There. The physics in Halo were <laughs> meticulous. If you oh, landed yeah. a sticky grenade off a off a gravity elevator, I love that. Just and, like, it yeah, like, uh, and then stuff. like someone gets stuck. And 
then it's like you get you hit triple kill, and yeah. it's like the voice I've never known as satisfying a thing Slayer. is when I've killed like a bunch of people, and it goes kill tacular, and I'm like hell yeah, kill tacular. That sounds horrid, but yes. There's something about that that physics sensibility about like you know, poking and prodding with a sandbox of possibility that mm. like it just it is just like endlessly playable. I think a yeah. lot of more um, like specific shooters like you will engage the player in this way. You'll either hold left trigger and right trigger faster than they will, or whatever. Like there's like you said with seeds, like you want to experience, you want to experiment with different loadouts and mm-hmm. infiltration options and whatever. There's just more to those games, like in terms of a, on a on a long term. And um, the next one I've got down is Witcher Three, which obviously has some parallels to Skyrim, but I think that it's worth pointing out that Witcher 3's story lasts um, way longer than something like Skyrim. Like I- you'll finish Skyrim and keep going. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. I do do feel that The Witcher is like one of the very rare exceptions where it's a narrative game that will keep you invested for that long. Like Mm -hmm. I I was really struggling to think of any other narrative focused game that I've spent 100 hours in. Mm. And I'm really just like drawing a blank, I feel like. But it's only because of the fact that it's written so well and obviously has a huge source material Mm -hmm. to base itself off of that really does. And I think they they nail the fact that like, because it's always that delineation like between, you know, main quest and side quest. Like I always tend to think in open world stuff or anything that's more like free form that I'm like, I'll get the main stuff out the way and then I'll 
play in the side mm-hmm. stuff. But like with The Witcher, I think they, they did it in such a way where like it makes sense that Geralt would go out and look into these monsters and do these sort of side quests and you know dip into a town for a bit or whatever and then get back to the main arc of like trying to track mm-hmm. down Ciri. Yeah. And so like I think they kind of balance that in a way that maybe something like Skyrim doesn't where they're like the apocalypse is happening and we need to stop Well that's the, the interesting thing. urgency is such an important point. Like that's why mm-hmm. I tend to avoid the main quest in Skyrim because it's like well the Dragonborn thing is obviously it's the end of the world. Yeah. But what right. if I wasn't the Dragonborn and I could do my own thing? Mm-hmm. Um, the Witcher that's a very good point. Being able to dip in and out mm-hmm. of different things is very very important. Because that like that kind of broke Mass Effect 3 for me like yeah. opening with the end of the world I was like well I need to do everything yeah. to save the world immediately I can't yeah. go do anything yeah. else um, which like sometimes like you said in Skyrim they're almost anathema it's like well mm-hmm. you're, you should do should quote unquote do the main stuff because mm-hmm. you need to stop the dragons but also you can go live a whole life being mm-hmm. a mention or whatever the um, Fallout 4 is a very good example mm-hmm. of the fact that when they say this is the main quest you need to go do something and as soon as you get out you're just kind of like yeah but it doesn't seem that that's that, why it doesn't I, seem that, that engaging that's why I True. really disliked Fallout yeah. 4 they gave mm-hmm. your character a voice yeah. which kind of completely defeats the whole point of being able to be who you want it's to be in the you, wasteland it, yeah. yeah and the, the customization options were massively yeah. uh, kind of compared to what that was on offer in Skyrim they, have, they yeah. didn't have much on offer in there and you know it was kind of like well if I'm if I have to be this guy why would he then go and do this next and yeah. why like you, you're giving me so many options to do this but you're not giving me a logical reason to actually go and pursue it mm-hmm. uh, which is why I wasn't a fan of that game yeah and plus in Fallout 4 just, just you know, straight up story wise like your mm-hmm. infant child is potentially missing obviously mm-hmm. there's a whole reveal later whatever mm-hmm. but like you know like coming out of the when you've been unfrozen or whatever yeah. why would you do anything <laughs> other than track uh, down sorry, your kid, child sorry I'm just going to go hook up with the Brotherhood of Steel uh, yeah. Yeah. sorry about that you'll, you'll understand it's fine <laughs> the minute men have got another mission for me yeah. it's, so. it's, it's almost like um, when you present a player with such a wide scope of options it's actually quite numbing like it's mm. it, you know when your brain tries to think of like a, an incredibly high number and it gets to a certain thing where it doesn't seem real anymore because right. it's, it's transcended the uh, a like space being infinite mm. yeah exactly you just go like yeah I accept that it is but I also can't, I can't understand see it, or anything, it. Yeah. yeah but it's like that in games now where you just go like here's uh, funneling for a tiny bit and then suddenly throw you out push you out of a plane what are you gonna do <laughs> be like oh, I don't know it's like, like yeah both both the last couple of Assassin's Creed and Breath of the Wild has that where it's it is like a tutorial area but it's, mm. a, it's a miniature open world you get a, a little taste of everything that you're gonna be able to do and you sort of exist in this small little island and then especially in Odyssey and, and Breath of the Wild um, you go off that island and all of a sudden it's like okay you have access to everything now yeah. go and, and keep going kind of thing do you know what, do you know what I hate though there's just a little pet peeve mm. this is to remind me of like there are actually probably many many games that we could sit here and list that would take you 100 hours to complete but it's just because no they're filled, it's just because they're filled with busybody work like yeah. they, uh, um, I take uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands like mm. I mm. had an alright time with that but I was so, so put buggy. off by the fact that there was just so much to do yeah. and none of it felt like it was a tan- like a relevant that was the like, worst thing about that yeah. because you think about it Ghost Recon Wildlands is the, the, the premise of that game exactly to the nth degree and how yeah. it should have been but Ubisoft just didn't do it in the correct way there was never a case where you were given, you had all this, you had this massive open world, but you never had the freedom to tailor your experience. It never no. it never encouraged you to think tactically. You could win every engagement by just charging in and doing stuff yeah. like that. There was never a time where I felt encouraged or I felt like the world was um, built to sustain the concept that they wanted to get like maybe with the you had a different loadout you could yeah. have gone a different yeah, way yeah exactly whatever, yeah. the amount of times that I was playing in our group mm. and just suddenly going like yeah. oh somebody's taken out their the boss yeah. I'm like oh well I didn't I wasn't even there yeah. like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even and it just popped up and you'd be it's like, like successful like yeah. you are the special forces team in Bolivia mm. it's meant to be super realistic detection mm. is a thing but then you don't have camouflage doesn't influence anything yeah. you can choose your weapon from an, an invisible sky portal at yeah. any moment in time it's like <laughs> well if you're going to want to go to commit you know and I like game 
teams that mm. commit and, and double down on what they want to achieve, mm-hmm. which is again is why Skyrim is so it's good. It's totally worth make, like talking about that as well. Mm. I mean, we kind of already have, but that idea that like because Ubisoft have definitely pioneered that, mm. where it's like we have a set of mechanics and we have a massive world. It's as, it's a, as big a map as, as the disc will allow us to put together, yeah. or you know the file size or whatever, and then just go play. Here's a set yeah. of mechanics, go play for you know X amount of time. And it didn't work with Assassin's Creed Origins, but it did with Odyssey. And I know that Ghost Recon sold extremely well. Wildlands mm-hmm. did, even though like for us we kind of bounced off it. Like mm-hmm. you sort of you realize the limitations of that mechanics and then of those mechanics, and it's like yeah. well, now. Which what? is why I'm hopeful that Breakpoint is actually going to be that game because yeah. they are showing oh. Wounds actually have a thing. It's like, well, you actually are doubling down this, you know, semi-realistic military sim almost, mm-hmm. and you've got camouflage influences stuff. They've gotten rid of the annoying AI as well, and it yeah. encourages you to definitely say, if you want the best experience in this game, you're gonna have to play it with multiple yep. people. And you know what? I respect that. Even if yeah. I can't find friends to play it with, I'll be happy that if they they rather they rather do that than settle for something less. Because you think it's like as a base question, do you think like most people, if they consider themselves gamers or regular game players, are up for a hundred hour experience? Experience, be it split across a whole year. Well, you say that, but you look at people who've racked up hundreds of hours in like Candy Crush. You don't need mm-hmm. to be a, you don't need to be an air quotes hardcore gamer to yeah. rack up. That's what I'm saying. Like that idea of like, hours. yeah, that idea of like 100 hours just being like an accepted mm. playtime. Like we have so many examples. I mean, obviously we've rattled through like quite a few. I, we had way more, but we're gonna run out of time. Yeah. But point being that like you know that sort of length, it does it is in, you compare it to a movie length or reading a book yeah. or whatever. 100 hours in a game is a lot. It's mad when you think about it because it's, it's more common like, than you think. Yeah, mm. I, I, I totally <laughs> think so. I, I especially think that because of the way that society headed where there is much more of an acceptance towards the video game industry as mm. a source of entertainment it was like you were saying when we were growing up it was kind of like if you like video games you were potentially a little bit of an outcast maybe less so uh, for mm-hmm. the next generation after but mm-hmm. now it's kind of like if you don't game you're almost like okay, you're mate, not playing the division every yeah, night or it's not going to go on FIFA it's, it's like the, the kids that um, used to bully me and my friends and now the ones that are racking up hundreds of hours on FIFA yeah another example just something that's just so mechanically addictive uh, you mentioned XCOM oh. um, um, which I totally want to just throw in. Have you played XCOM, Ewan? Uh, it definitely sounds like it's the definition you of my shit, so but I've like it. not I've not played it. Okay. Yeah, it so. has everything I feel that a game that uh, qualifies as a dick addictive would uh, (laughs) because it's basically just like uh, massive amounts of customization Mm -hmm. huge amounts of choice for the player Mm -hmm. because you basically decide everything your things do it's uh, randomized there's Mm -hmm. tons of really hard enemies it's challenging has a really like base management stuff Mm -hmm. in as well resource management time management you're just kind of like I love managing things (laughs) it's, it's one of those you sit there and you go like this game is like taking a pack of cards and then somebody dragging them slowly across <laughs> your knuckles again and the floor, and you're thanking them for it because it is an unadulterated pain. Yeah. But See, I'm I was loving go it. Down a way more positive route because there's something psychologically pleasing or whatever about mm. it. Because obviously, loads of games, loads of mobile games go down the whole, you know, like, oh, here's your daily thing. Here's this meter yeah. filling up. Yeah. Here's this reward at the end of it. And there's something about that, about the spinning plates mentality. But like, if you can keep them all spinning, like, oh, it's pretty satisfying. Oh, there was nothing. That's what that is. Nothing more satisfying than finishing Iron Man mode on uh, XCOM 2, which is mm. where basically it's permadeath. So and, and you and can't scum save yeah. at all. So when I finally finished it, and I only had like maybe two of my original like members left, I mm-hmm. sat there just going like. That was a journey. That was a real <laughs> journey. We can throw um, Dark Souls in as well because uh, as yeah. for as much as that is like a final experience, that community has re-rolled that, replayed yeah. that thing so much with fat rolls. Um, but yeah. you know, there's so many different ways that you can play that thing, so many different loadouts. Like Rach has gone through it endless amount of times. I think I've lost count of how many times she's yeah. restarted it. Um, but that speaks to the sort of mesh of like, you know, narrative exploration, the world design, the lore, like being able to play it. It's so immediately playable. But what's interesting about Dark Souls as, um, uh, as a quick example mm. is that it goes against pretty much everything 
something that uh, a game technically should do in order to, to keep get you, yeah, yeah it like a, a game technically should have a fair and balanced difficulty curve I would argue that Dark Souls does but it presents the player with like here is the a couple of times it will just kill you yeah, yeah you just need to get used to it the lore should be something that's easily understandable because it gives the player a reason to keep investing mm-hmm. in it but because they're kept at harm's, arm's length it then makes it more intriguing like mm-hmm. I don't know how they've how done dare this. you be obs- what is your damn fascination with my forbidden closet yeah, of mystery yes, exactly <laughs> it's like, like literally because they didn't work with Demon Souls which is very much the same approach mm-hmm. but it totally worked with Dark Souls and like yeah they sort of played that weird card and everyone went well, we will spend hours looking into what the history of Lord Run is it's, I, I've, I've read so many sort of articles and seen so many videos arguing that the opening of Dark Souls 1 is the perfect tutorial stage for like mm. and I, it's so the interesting the yeah. Like just, yeah, yeah figuring all the different keys uh, and bosses I, I, and it's, it's so weird yeah. but, I, but I love the fact that it's it's such a pervasive thing in society mm-hmm. and that's something that's completely unique to the gaming medium you'll never Taurus. be able to examine a, a mythology put it at arm's length and mm. and expect someone to go and find it yes. that's, and yeah, that's yeah. kind of incredible like imagine if I came to you guys mm. now and just said like hey guys I've made this amazing game this amazing mm. lore and you'd be like oh wicked what is it well you're only going to find out bits and pieces on armour and items only if you find if you find certain items I'll like, tell you who that belonged to and like, then you might figure out who's the king but Jules why would I want to do that so it's just <laughs> kind of like well I don't know it's weird. <laughs> I mentioned um, we did a thing the other day about like um, sort of like new age mechanics that we want to celebrate mm. and I mentioned transistor because like different um, like armour and weapon well different yeah. weapon loadouts um, give you different parts of the lore and it like I just love that. I like the idea of like finding different ways to storytell based on active mediums, not necessarily Definitely. passive ones. Um, we can end on on the last couple, and we'll end on Ewan's big lovely statistic for Siege. But until then, we can mention GTA yeah, because yeah. Um, like, I think all of us have got lost in a GTA at some point. Whether it's, you can even yeah. mention GTA Online, yes, or whatever. that's what I was going to say yeah, actually, because yeah, yeah. uh, I lived in that game for a long period of time. <laughs> I like living in games, and it was like you could do again. You could let you little do little role plays here, and I know yeah. the amount of people I encountered in that game who pretended to be the Joker, and I was also right, like, right. "Yep, I'm totally cool." <laughs> Yeah. And because it gave you those tools, you could literally pretend to be the Punisher in that game mm-hmm. if you wanted to. You could do so many different things because you had all the emblem creator mm-hmm. tool. You had all these different stuff. And obviously, GTA Online, I know it's still going massive and it still makes loads and loads and loads mm-hmm. and loads of money for Rockstar. I do think that uh, the game kind of, it lost its appeal when they started pricing people out with with a ridiculous a level of inflation. Economy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I couldn't enjoy it that way anymore. But I, the, when heists were around, when heists were first introduced, mm-hmm. there was a nice little golden period in that game where I was like, you know what? This is really fun. I'm having yeah. a great time yeah. with people. I enjoy all the little random encounters, which is what I'm getting out of Red Dead Online at the mm. moment as well, as it's slowly inching towards I think the Rockstar idea. Are slowly pivoting yeah. across. Yeah. Like, I mean, Strauss Zelnick for Take Two said at some point they do need to end GTA Online. They yeah. didn't expect it to go on this long. Mm. Um, so at some point they need to. I think it's worth mentioning for GTA Online as well. If you check out uh, Noclip, uh, Danny O'Dwyer's channel, um, they, he did a really great documentary about a, a whole family of people and a community of people who mm. came together who all play online yeah. and they all meet up in the game and then they, oh, and then, cool. then they started to meet up in real life and they flew each other out from different countries to meet up and mm. like it, you can live a whole life in GTA it's, Online if you check in every it's pretty day. incredible and Red Dead Online they're introducing actual they're taking what GTA Online could have done mm. with, the, with the whole business side of it and they're applying it to different roles so next month they're introducing uh, you can either be a bounty hunter a trader oh, yes. or an yeah, adventurer yeah, yeah. and you can kind of level up those things and get specific things for that it's like that's great mm. let people live a life that is a great idea well, to actually do loved, it was in the single player like you know before the first sort of two acts where you're just mm. living as Arthur Morgan like you know looking after the cam you can do whatever you want it feels really immersive like that's mm. the stuff I love the most and like if you can do that for the online and just live forever in this you know chunk of the old west that they've recreated it's pretty good maybe that's one of the reasons as why that so many games now are getting this hundred hours of playtime mm. like your Fortnite's mm. or whatever mm-hmm. like because of the fact that it's against people and people are an ever changing challenge yeah. you can either make friends with them or you can make enemies with them depending on it so maybe it's 
the fact that there is a, a readily accessible community in these games that mm. keeps their stability. And you going. don't know what's going to happen. Well, that's the thing. No, yeah. You can't predict. Again, it. just to bring up Red Dead, that's the exact thing they're doing right now. Mm. You don't appear on the map if you're not hostile. So right, if you're not right. hostile, if the only time you actually see a red blip is if someone's been going around killing people, so yeah. you know to stay away from them. But you could just be running around, and, just and, see and because mm. the animations are so kind of similar, sometimes it'll only be an odd, like a little specific tip that'll clue you in on someone being another player. Say, if, yeah, if you made a point of just walking with a crowd of people. Yeah. Yes. And someone else would not even know that's yeah, a real I've gotten person. out of sticky situations that way before. I've gone to a bar and started drinking <laughs> and they haven't been able to find me, which is really, See, really that's cool. That's really cool. That's yeah. the stuff that I feel like they should have had since the beginning. That's so, yeah. that's, that's The really unpredictability of it is so addictive. Mm -hmm. And like I've for a good few months, I was playing that game every other day and there was nothing to do with it, mm -hmm. nothing to do with it at all. The missions I'd already done, all I was getting out of that was random gang ambushes yeah, right, and right. occasionally seeing what happens if I was interacting with other people in the world. And I remember I, I once shot Jules and then you shot me and then dragged me with a rope across the, the map on oh, the back yeah, of a horse. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Is my, that was my first experience with Red Dead Online. Oh, yeah. So yeah. we can end on a lovely statistic. Ewan, what is the most you've played at Rainbow Six Siege? I think it's, I can't remember the exact, was it like 400 hours or something? I thought it was close to a couple of thousand. Well, I couldn't, I couldn't, yeah, I, don't, I don't even know, I will find the actual statistic and I'll put it in the comments <laughs> of this video, but it was a ridiculous, I played that game, start of my second year of uni with my friends, it was on offer for like 20 quid or something mm -hmm, like yeah. that, and uh, we just played it and we got ridiculously good at it, but the thing with Siege is if you leave it alone for about a month, you'll come back and you'll be completely every, punished. Yeah, everything's changed. <laughs> yeah, everything's yeah. Gone. Yeah. So it's the most gratifying game that you can play, but also mm. if you leave it alone just for a little bit, you're back to square root. Yeah, you, 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 you need to like live yeah. on it like pretty much every day. Jules, do you have a st statistic on the top of your head for a game that you've played a hell of a lot? The game that i played probably the most uh, is probably a single game. Uh -huh. It's uh, DayZ, and Ooh. I regret it. So <laughs> What's your number? What's uh, your number? I believe it's like 196 hours. That's thought it was going to be a lot No, I, I know, but then again, I don't commit to like games mm. for that long unless they've really hooked I me. I pretty much played The Witcher 3 all of 2015, and I'm on 620. Whoa. So that's my Whoa. thing. Um, although I did read since putting that out, I said this in another video a while, ages ago, um, that apparently the, um, the, the in-game statistic that counts your numbers apparently got bugged with one of the patches. So oh. maybe it's less, maybe it's more. Right, I don't okay. know. Um, but yeah, but for now, though, these have been a whole collection of games that you can play for over 100 hours. Let us know your favorites down in the comments below. Um, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Taylor, joined by you and Patterson. Hello and goodbye. And Jules Gill. Before we go, oh, I just want to say one thing. Thank you so much, Scott, for organizing this. This is 100 Aww. episodes in. I didn't think of doing honestly, that. That's really wholesome. Honestly, <laughs> really it nice. has uh, been an absolute pleasure to watch you being able to like grow into this role and bring this channel the successes that it's had. Anytime, buddy. Thanks You're to everybody, every single person host. for the rest of the office that's been in. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and thanks to all you guys as well. But yeah, we'll catch you next time on episode 101. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.